this morning. We give thanks to you, Lord, that you've given us your word in a language we understand, that you've given us this building and this body of believers stretching back generations that have instilled in us and given us a record that we can uh, hold on to, Father. Most of all, we thank you for your Holy Spirit us when we believed in you and by which we can understand your word, by which we can worship you, and by which we can learn. And Father, this morning, we pray that it would be by your Spirit that we do learn, and that any of the mistakes I will make, uh, Father, would be just overcome by your Spirit, and that which we would receive from you, from your Word, be what we need to be closer to you, Lord, and closer to one another this morning. We thank you for this time where we can be together, and all of us pray in perfect name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated, or stand if you want, I guess, you know. I'm going to stand and walk around a little bit. Okay, this is not working. David, I might need you to, to advance for me from time to time. That's weird. Um, decades and decades ago, I was but a callow youth growing up. And uh, growing up with my family, we spent all of our vacations, all of our time on salt water one form or another. We had a little inflatable boat, and we would set it out in Hood Canal and crab, and my parents would dig clams, which are disgusting, so I would play in the boat. But I was always around water, and growing up, I, um, my talents, my abilities, my interests all pointed towards a career in the United States Navy. That was my goal, and I earned a scholarship to the University of Washington, go Huskies, for ROTC, and that was my career. My, my plan was made out. I was going to be a, an officer in the United States Navy. And then the Navy found out I had asthma. And so two weeks before I graduated from high school, I was told that that would not be happening. And uh, that was hard. And I had some uh, little heartburn with God about that. And um, I found other ways to serve. And in college, I was able to learn how to sail and to row. But uh, was not going to be in the Navy and was not going to be in any branch of the military because asthma is a disqualifying thing. And so I had to find other ways to serve. And there's a lesson in there that at some point I'll probably talk about of ours, you know, what you think you want and what God needs you to do and, and wrestling with God's sovereignty. That's not the lesson for today. But the sea continues to have a fascination both for me and in history and I think even for America in general. Uh, we have a connection with the oceans in America. It's part of our culture. Little experiment. I'll say a word, and then you in your head say the first word that comes to mind. USS. David? That was the cue to advance the slide. <laughs> We're going to have to work on this. Most people, if I asked USS, they would come up with Enterprise, which I, in fact, did here. And that's because, you know, it's a very popular TV show. And in the 60s, when they made this TV show, um, they picked the name Enterprise. They didn't pick it out of nowhere. Uh, it actually came from both of these two ships. The top one was a, a nuclear, first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. And it took its name from the most decorated ship in the history of America. And that's CB-6, USS Enterprise from World War II. And it won more awards, uh, was in more battles, did more things, just really created a name, Enterprise. But it, in fact, didn't get its name by itself. It comes from an even older ship, which looks like this. Uh, this is USS Enterprise from roughly 1812. 
Enterprise, which was nicknamed Lucky Little Enterprise, is a brig, two masts. She was built in 1799. It's about roughly 85 feet long. She had 14 guns on a single deck and had a crew of about 70. And she was in a lot of pretty famous battles. She was in a battle that, if you can imagine, uh, terrorists in the Middle East and Tripoli, in Libya. Good thing that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, she rescued a U.S. Navy ship that was captured by pirates. And then she was in a very, very public, very, very famous duel uh, with HMS Boxer just off the coast of Maine. And it was kind of remarkable because it was a, a small ship versus another small ship, but it was within sight of land. And so a lot of people were able to see this. And it kind of, she created a name for herself. Um, interesting battle that the, both captains of these small ships were mortally wounded in battle, and both are buried side by side in uh, Portland, Maine. And you can go see the, the gravesite today. But Enterprise, as a, oops, sorry, go back one. Jumped ahead. This is what's going to happen when you have subs. See, we're all subbing today. David's subbing, I'm subbing. It's all good. Um, ships are interesting because they're a great example of a lot of different things. And uh, Navy vessels in particular, because there's a teamwork aspect to it. A ship is one thing, but it's made up of lots and lots of people, not unlike a church. And in America, and even in Ephrata, we tend to look at our churches a little bit more like this, which is a cruise ship. Uh, we come to church thinking that we're going to be served, that uh, we, we pay and we expect performance. And people come here kind of expecting sometimes, none of you I hope, uh, but entertainment. And when a church fails to entertain, they move on, much like people do on cruise ships. They go to cruise ships to be entertained. The cruise ship puts on a show. And it moves on. Cruise liners cater to the needs of the people who sign up for the cruise. Uh, only a few people on a cruise ship do anything that work. Everybody else relaxes, and they're worried about their own pleasure. Um, that's not a good image for a church. This, however, the image of a warship is a lot different than a cruise ship. On a warship, everyone serves. Everyone has a role. There's no small role on a ship, because any small thing be can become a disaster if not everyone serves. It's a, a singular thing made up of the sum of its parts. And what I want to propose is that this is a good image for us to think about our church. Grace Point is which kind of ship do we see ourselves on? Which kind of church do we see ourselves? And the central question for today is, is Grace Point a cruise ship or more like a warship? And I'll propose that we should be. We're built, we're designed, we're created to be much more like a warship than a cruise ship. And we can see some churches when we go through this kind of thing. So today, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, which we just read, the very end of Ephesians 3, um, the last two verses of chapter 3, 20 and 21, which is probably not a normal passage to use for this type of lesson, but this is the passage I got. And sometimes you just got to be obedient and run with it. Uh, it's a doxology, and before we kind of get into the parts of this, I want to talk a little bit about just Ephesians. And Ephesians is, uh, this is, recognize your map of the ancient world. Ephesus is a city, if this works, right there. Um, Ephesus is a lot like Portland, Oregon of its day. Well-educated, very pagan, 
Sorry if I'm, people get offended by Portland. Um, but it's, uh, it was a trade area, lots of money, lots of wealth, lots of different cultures coming in and out, uh, but ultimately not terribly Christian. And we've gone through the book of Ephesians before, but Ephesians can be split into two parts. There's the first three chapters are about the wealth we have in Christ. The latter three chapters are about the walk we have in Christ and how our wealth should guide our walk, which is also a nice parallel to what we're doing in James right now. Uh, these last two verses of chapter 3 are the high point of our wealth in Jesus Christ. And that's a great place to kind of launch into anything. It's called a doxology, which is a fancier word for saying it's kind of like a hymn, a prayer, a, a praise to God. And we use it as a benediction normally. So it's a great ending to remind us about the blessings we have. Today I want to go through it bit by bit, uh, two verses, split each verse into two parts, and see what does it have to say about us as a church and how we relate to our church. Are we, do we look at this as something that we show up and we're entertained like a cruise ship? Or is this something we do on Sunday where we come to serve, to be a part of the crew? So first up, here we have the verse. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, here we have it there. And it starts with, now to him. First thing out of the, the words of the Apostle Paul as he's writing this section is making sure we know how important him, God the Father is, uh, the preeminence, how immense God is, the immense glory. And Paul says now to him, this is all about him. Everything we do is about God. And the immensity of God sometimes can blow us away. Think about the distance between here and Wenatchee if you're on foot. And then you think about the distance to the other side of the world, like to Macau, and how flying at 600 miles an hour it takes 14, 15 hours sometimes. And then you think about the distance of going to the moon. And then you think about the distance of our solar system. And it's, it's, I don't know if you had these times where you're sitting up with some friends late and late at night and you start talking about this and you're like, whoa. God is so much bigger than all that. And He created all that. And it's huge. We can't get our mind around how big God is. God is bigger than the creation. He created the creation. To Him means that this is about God and it's a praise to God. And sometimes it's, it's worthwhile saying, why is God worthy of praise? And the now to Him is God is worthy of praise because of the characteristics of God. And these are just a few, but they're worth jotting down if you don't have them. You can go through, in fact, in, in our... We have paper out in the lobby that you can see. We have this all written down as far as what we believe in our church about God. God is self-existent. There wasn't anything to create God. God is what God is. God was before anything was created in the material universe. He's infinite. He goes on forever, which is a, negative, a concept that is hard to get your head around. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. He'll be the same tomorrow because He's infinite and all that. He has all power, omnipotence. He is omniscient, means he knows everything, past, present, and future, are an open book to him. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't run from God. You can't hide from God. He is everywhere. And he created all of this. He has perfect wisdom. He has perfect goodness. His justice is perfect. And he has perfect holiness. That's worthy of praise. There's nothing else like God anywhere, anything. God is God. In recognition, we come to God and we start with, this is about you. You are worthy of our praise. We 
praise you because you are great and are greatly to be praised. And His glory is the church. He created this church. And that's important. Second section, who is able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. And there's two really important words here. Well, one's a phrase. Do far more abundantly is actually one word. And then according to. I want to focus on those two sections. First part there is this... Uh, Take a look at this, the, the structure, if you're into grammar. This is all present tense, okay? This is something that goes on now, goes on afterwards. The, the Greek used by Paul indicates that this is something that doesn't start and stop. It's not something that went on in the past. This is something that goes and continues to go. And the word far more abundantly, if you will allow me to lay a little bit of Greek, because I practice this very carefully, the Greek word is hyperekterosu. Uh, or something like that. It's written there, and Paul could tell you how to pronounce that, and a couple others of you would know this word. But the word's really interesting. It's one word in Greek. It's a whole bunch of words in English. But what it means is far more abundantly or beyond that, and then some. More than you can imagine, and then a little more. Um, the British theologian F.F. F. Bruce said, it is the highest form of comparison imaginable, this word. And so it means immeasurably more than, quite beyond all measure, infinitely more than. It is God's infinite power, and you can't really compare that to anything. But the closest we can do is this phrase or this scientific formula that a guy named Einstein came up with, E equals mc squared. I think most of you have seen that before. And all it means is that energy, there's in a little piece of matter, there's a lot of energy. If you can convert the chair into power, it would could be the biggest bomb you've ever imagined. In fact, we make nuclear bombs by taking something about this big, and we convert 1% of it to energy, and you have a nuclear bomb. So there's a lot of energy in creation, and then if you take that idea, that's what a star is. A star converts 99% of its matter into energy, and there's a gazillion, gazillion stars, and all of that all of that is nothing compared to the power of God. We are amazed by a 1% conversion. Or we look up in the sky and we can see scads of 99% conversion. But the power of God it goes beyond that. And then there's this phrase. Oops, that's fine. We'll leave that up. Um, according to. It's in your notes this way. It's easy to blow past it according to the power that works within us. Think of it said as a proportion of the power that works within us. According to versus a proportion. This is kind of a big deal, actually, because, it's again, it's easy for us as humans to kind of overlook this. If Bill Gates gives to a charity and gives them a, a billion dollars, which Bill Gates could do, Bill Gates would be giving a billion dollars as a portion of his wealth. And that would be tremendous. But it would only be a portion. When God gives us power, He gives it according to. Not as a portion of. He gives it according to His power, meaning fully. When you believe in Jesus Christ, a lot of things go on for your justification. But... One of the big ones, and was for point of today, is you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 
God the Holy Spirit, one part of the triune God. You have God inside you. You have according to the power of God. The 1% nuclear bomb, the 99% stars, bigger than that, that is the power that's working within you. We don't feel that, but it's true. Each one of you, if you're a believer, had your life changed. Your testimony. It's a miracle. And each one of us can testify and tell our stories and go through that. Each one of, Those are miracles of God, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that that happened. And also when that happens, you're given a gift. Um, gifts are a big deal. There are spiritual gifts. They're to be used for the church. And there's studies about that you can do, and I don't think, you know, that, that's good to know what your gift is, and it's good to use your gift in service. But I think the big thing is to know that you serve by the power of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is in you, and that's the way you serve. When I was 18 years old, I knew, knew my heart's desire, and it was biblical, I was a believer at 18, that I was going to be in the U.S. Navy. My talents, my interests, my, all the things I'm good at, all just made sense for that. But there's a lesson to be learned that that's not about me. It wasn't about me. It was about something else going on, about God's will. And God gives us His power. God gives us you gifts, gives you gifts for the church. To be built up in the church. To serve in the church. You're not empowered to go do something else or to sit and enjoy. You're not empowered to relax. You're empowered for action. And you're given different roles in a church, not unlike the crew of a Navy ship, where everybody has a different role to play. And what might seem small could end up being huge in certain set of circumstances. I preach today to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing if you're serving in the church. To comfort you with a little bit of confidence, maybe. And if you're not serving, I come to afflict you today. To say, get going. If you're a member of this church and you're a believer, you're empowered to act, not to receive. You come to serve. You're on the crew. And like a Navy ship, things can go bad if, uh, if not everybody does their part. There's no small gifts in God's church. We tend to focus on Gary, and rightly so. Gary's a great man, a good friend and a mentor. But it's about the church, not about the person. That's important. God's power is in us, and we have a role. And it's easy to disregard our role. It's easy to disregard our gift. It's easy to not feel powerful or empowered and sometimes you've got to find that out. It's just, it's just part of who we are. But there's a thing about obedience and about harmony. And humility can become sinful. There's a thing, I believe, that's called sinful humility. Theodore Spurgeon, you've probably heard the name, um, great preacher. Uh, a young pastor went to talk to Mr. Spurgeon one day. And the young pastor said, Mr. Spurgeon, I just see very few people saved in our community. And Spurgeon replied to this young pastor with a question. He says, hey, do you expect to see people saved every time you preach? And the preacher answered, why, no. And Spurgeon very wisely said, that is why you don't. Sometimes we don't expect. We expect things to work the way humans do. But God is a much, much bigger 
thing, the awesome power of God is in us and we can use it to act. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. On the back of your bulletin, you can look at it now if you want. I'll wait. Um, It talks about our mission at Grace Point. Grace Point exists to display the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, that sounds very highly biblical. It sounds like we might have even got this right from that verse right there. I think we did back in the day. And then we break that out. How do we show the glory of Christ in the church? Well, we encounter, we embrace, and we engage. Then we spell out grace, G-R-A-C-E. Grow, reach, adore, connect, and equip. All verbs. Did you notice that? Our mission statement's a verb. It's something we do. Our three big principles, all verbs. Grace, all spelled out. All action words. Because God designed our church to be more like a warship than a cruise ship. We are God's church. The people, remember, not the building. God empowers us. Equips us to help us function like a crew, like a team, like all of us working together for one big thing. Churches are like ships, and they're built to be used. We're not a country club. We're not a place where we take refuge from the world that's pressing in on us. We're like a warship. One of my favorite quotes is from John Shedd. Ship in the harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. A church that doesn't act and serve their community is probably a very nice, comfortable church. But that's not what the church was built for. You could also say, a Christian who sits in the pew and reads their Bible and studies is okay, but that's not what the Christian was created for. We're built for action. Grace Point was built for the purpose for God to serve this community, for action. God doesn't need us to do that. There's no question. We talked about God's got all the power in the world. doesn't need us. But for whatever reason, God chooses to show Himself by what we do or not. God uses us. We are His hands. We are His feet. We are even His voice at times. That is how God built the church and built us to serve is to be Him to other people. The primary way we do that is through the church. Now, some of us are involved in a lot of other things that are all great. Parachurch organizations, and there's all kinds of things, but our primary role, our primary calling is to God's church, the local church, that we show the awesome glory of God and Christ Jesus in the church. The scope of God. And this is really hard for us, again, like a lot of things with God, the immensity of it. It's hard to get our head around this. Because we tend to think in terms of like long-term planning is five and ten years. Okay? God's in this for the long, long haul. Infinite. Infinite scope. Way beyond it. Um, again, cruise ships tend to think short-term. Cruise ships go out on a the, the short couple weeks. That's all they do. Warships have a mission that goes on. The United States Navy has to protect the United States. doesn't matter what's going on. doesn't matter if it's Christmas or not. Somebody's got to be out there standing the line. Warships are generally smaller than cruise ships and are more highly focused on a message. And one of the things to think about is when it comes to the scope, God's infinite message to us, our purpose in Christ, does not change. The big picture, 
based on circumstances. For example, storms. Storms come. A cruise ship, when there's a big storm, they usually head to port. If they don't, it ends up on YouTube, right? We've all seen those. That's a pretty rare thing. That makes the news. But a warship, they're designed to go through the seas. They're designed to go through storms. Storms come. Big deal. That's what happens. We're built for it. Just If you think about people that come to church and then a storm comes, people that are on the crew that are serving, that's to be expected. But people that see their role as a passenger on the cruise ship, they get off. They quit. They move to another church. And I think we all know people that have done that over time. And I think it has to do with a fundamental misunderstanding of what this church is. That it's not here to serve you personally. We're here to serve. We follow Jesus Christ. That, to me, is the exciting part of the mission of what we do. It's bigger than us. It goes on beyond us. It's more important than any one of us because it's the mission that comes first. God has built us for a purpose. And the the purpose goes on after we die and are moved on to heaven there's still going to be God's church going on. Locally, we were founded as a church in 1947. That's a long time ago. All of this, all of this is due to the ministries, our forefathers, our foremothers, that have served and taken action on our behalf because they believed in something that went beyond just them. God's building His church. Right here at Grace Point. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew 16. So let's go back to the central question. Are we a warship or are we a cruise ship? What are we? And that's kind of the so what question. How do you look at this church? Are you on the crew or are you a passenger? Are you here because the cruise ships are kind of exclusive, kind of nice. You pay a bunch of money, you get treated real well. There's a lot of entertainment. Don't have to do much. Everybody takes care of you. There's no passion. There's no investment on your part in a cruise ship beyond a little financial. Cruise ship's all about you having fun. And there are churches that will cater to that. Make it fun. Warships, though, have purpose. They have direction. They have engagement. High investment by the crew. High passion, even patriotism. It's considered an honor to serve but I wouldn't think you'd probably call serving on a warship as fun. British historian called uh, serving in the Navy as like being in a prison with a chance of being drowned. I don't know if I'd call our church that necessarily with service to it, but it's not always fun. When you're in a church family, you're tight together and you go through things together. Gary called our mission uh, two weeks ago that the Christian life, he called it the compelling calling. And I really like that. That we're called to something bigger than us. And so I think there's some implications for this. Um, When I look at who we are, would you describe us as on the cruise ship versus warship spectrum? Where's Grace Point? And I look around, looking around right now. There is a high number of people sitting here listening to me right now that are actively serving in this church. Might not be on Sunday morning. Might not be something very visible, but I know about it. You know about it. And that's going on. And so I think we have a pretty high percentage of crew members versus passengers. If you're a visitor, you're, you're scot-free. 
you're, you're good to go. At some point, though, you're going to be asked to kind of sign up, right? And then you've got to, got to make a choice. Am I going to be on the crew or am I going to just be a passenger? But I think there's also implications for some exciting things going on in our church right now. Um, one is we've got a building committee. We're, this church has been taking action. We bought some property a while back, and we're going to put a new building on it. We're going to move from here to this new building. So if we throw up the property, here's what our property looks like. It's kind of up there in the Walmart area. Um, first thing we would do is we put a nice sign up. And there's, okay, we got this nice sign that looks pretty good, electronic and stuff. That's good. And what I want to propose is there's a group they met actually Thursday night, um, a group that is working with an architect to get preliminary designs for what our new church should look like. And I thought I would cut through all the red tape and just give you what the church should look like and save them all the trouble. So here's what I think our church should look like. It should reflect our values and our image, right? This is good. Now, this is only about $892 billion to build this, but on the plus side, we'd have the first five-star hotel and enough office space for all of Spokane to move into. And I think Grant County could use that, really. This is why, by the way, they don't let me on the, the design team for the, the, the church stuff. They won't let me do that. In all seriousness, no. Um, Grace Point's a pretty special thing. Um, on a personal level, um, it's pretty special. I'm a product of this church. Um, you are all very nice when I speak. You say very nice things and encourage me. But unless you knew me 25 years ago, exactly 25 years ago, um, I was a, a pretty marginal Christian. I was barely a believer 25 years ago. I was not involved in the church. I had no sense of service, no spiritual maturity, maybe not a lot of general maturity either. Um, and I stand here to bring God's Word to you today because of the investment of all of you in people that invested in me. I'm a product of Grace Point Church. Everything I think of as important in me, uh, from my wife to my child to my just knowledge of who I am, has come through on some level this group of believers, through all of you. So I'm you and you're me. We are all in this journey together in the church. I kind of found my purpose here because of people working with me in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know your purpose here, it's really worthy of your time and consideration. And all I would say to you is that it's not necessarily your heart's desire. Because our hearts are a little deceitful. It says so in the Bible. They can mislead us because we're a little selfish down. Deep down, our sinful bodies. and our, We tend to want what we want. But I would say this to you. Is that when you consider what your purpose is, Consider action. Consider involvement in some way, shape, or form. And don't consider being passive. Don't consider just sitting back and trying to be an example. Be engaged. Uh, think of yourself as crew members on a ship. There's a lot of opportunities to do Christian stuff around. A lot of opportunities. But make sure you, you think about the, the local church first. If you're a visitor, think about your local church first. Because local churches are different. We're, we're accountable to one another in the local church. Sometimes that's the not-so-fun part. But we're all in this thing together because we all serve together. And it's interesting when you think about this, if you're sitting there, um, in the Bible, it doesn't talk about age limits on your service and your gift and what you do. If you're a student and you're sitting here, a young person, uh, you're accountable. This is for you too. 
If you're older and well past the age of retirement in occupations, I didn't see anywhere in the Bible it talked about retirement age for service to the church. We're all in this together. We're all crew. And while our our service changes as time goes and seasons come and go, we all are in it together. And that's the beauty of Grace Point. That's the importance of our life in church. We try to follow the example of Jesus Christ in what we do. That's why the cross is still up here, because it's helpful for me mostly. So think about your service. Are you a passenger at Grace Point, or are you on the crew? And if you're on the crew, are you serving from a a spiritual side, or are you serving out of duty? Because duty will burn you out. And God bless you if you are, because sometimes you need to do it out of... I mean, things need to get done sometimes, and somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to step on that cockroach. Not... Somebody has to step on the spider. Never had, a, never seen a cockroach here. Um, but when we serve out of our spirit, we don't get tired. It, it, it's, it's not always fun, but it's very fulfilling. Always choose action. There's a purpose behind why you've been saved. God has a purpose for this church. He has a purpose for each one of you. And He has gifted you with a superabundance of His love and of His power so that you can serve in the church and show Jesus Christ's glory. At Grace Point, we follow Jesus Christ as best we can because our God did not come to earth to be served. He came to serve. So be it. Let's pray.